Welcome everybody to Explorify Canada podcast, the future of personal finance in Canada. My name is Ryan Mirix and I'll be hosting the online meetups where we get to hear from you, the listener, talking about all things financial independence in Canada. It's not just voicemails or emails. You literally get to say exactly what's on your mind and it will be released onto Explorify Canada. But remember, with great power comes great responsibility. So we do have a few ground rules. Number one, we are in the business of breaking only one taboo today, talking about money. As such, please do not bring up sex, politics, or religion. Nobody wants to know. Number two, please refrain from swearing or being a jerk. All criticism of each other or other Canadians or content creators should be constructive. It is very unhelpful to call somebody stupid and leave it at that. Explain your frustration so everybody else can learn. Three, please only use the first names of anybody you mention. We want to keep everybody anonymous for the very obvious reason that we are talking about money. It's okay to use the full name of content creators such as Ben Felix or Paula Pant. Four, and finally the last rule, it's just for me. I'm going to keep this entire meetup unedited unless somebody breaks a rule. There's no point in recording a meetup if I start to chop it up and paint a picture that makes me or the podcast look good. So my promise to you, the listener, is an authentic recording as is. A couple of disclaimers. All opinions of the participants are their own and do not represent Explorify Canada or its affiliates. All advice you hear are opinions only, so please, don't let this be your only source of information. Do your own research and seek an accredited professional if needed. And now, on to the meetup. Let's introduce today's participants. Hailing from Kitchener, Ontario is Tan. Hey, buddy. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? It's going. Joining us from Vancouver, BC is Carly. Hi, Carly. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. And rounding out the quartet from Edmonton, Alberta, is Kayla. hey Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. All right. So we're beginning the first online meetup. And like I said, I don't want to control the narrative, but I thought a, a good way to kick off each online meetup is to just take a quick minute and just go over our, our Wi-Fi and, and who we are just briefly for the listeners so they can get used to our voice and to figure out who's talking about what and uh, give a bit of perspective. So I'll go first, even though I think most people will know me, so I'll keep mine very brief. But uh, I'm Ryan Merricks from Kitchener, Ontario, and my Wi-Fi really is just to be a stay-at-home dad as quickly as I can. So my wife and I do have some financial objectives, and we want to be sure that if I do leave the workforce to be a stay-at-home dad, that we will not be making a massive financial mistake and potentially losing out on many, many years of retirement just by pulling the trigger a little too early. So that's where financial independence comes in. I'm trying to save up as much money as I possibly can and then pull the trigger and, and be able to be a stay-at-home dad. And that's that's something I really want to do. So, Tan, let's turn it over to you. Um, what's your Wi-Fi? So my Wi-Fi is very similar to yours interested in the stay-at-home uh, dad aspect because I have a 20-month-old at home and want to spend more time with him. I work in the technology field and I get to work from home quite a bit, but I, I've been pursuing the FI path for the last 15 years or so and am probably a few years away, but I jumped down the rabbit hole of the entire Choose FI, FI community and have been learning a lot. I'm, all, I'm about halfway through going through the Choose FI podcast. There's a lot of them. So going through and it's just basically drinking from the fire hose and, and learning as much as I can. That's quite the uh, the catalog <laughs> of stuff to get through. So when did you start learning? 
Like when did you start listening? About a month ago. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's making really good time then. I think it should take the rational person like a year. So the fact that it's taking you a month to get halfway through is pretty impressive. Harley, what is your why to fi Tan, I just have to say that's impressive, dude. <laughs> uh, with a 20-month-year-old at home, especially <laughs> getting through that. My why of fi is I have two kids as well. Um, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and a 21-month-old. And I just want to be around more. I work part-time. I'm a university instructor. So it's nice to have that flexibility to be at home. So I work four hours, four mornings a week. And I pick my oldest son up from preschool and get to spend the afternoons with them. And to give us that flexibility and that stability for, you know, being able to be completely done by our early 40s is the goal. I'm 34 now, so we're taking it slow. But the fact that I can work part-time, you know, makes the, the journey a little bit more desirable and, and easier to, to live. I love it. Kayla, what's your why to fi? Well, um, I actually work part-time now, actually, and I have uh, pretty much as long as my kids have been around. So I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. Uh, my husband works full-time. So I think more of the focus is to have him work less. Um, I'm pretty content working the amount that I work. Um, but we do want to travel a bit more as well uh, and spend more time in nature, too. So that's kind of my, one of my big why of fives that I've been thinking about lately and possibly relocating. But we're not sure exactly yet. So, yeah, it sounds like we all we're all parents. So that's something to consider. But we all just want to have more time. And it seems like nobody here said, I really want to be rich. <laughs> right. It's just <laughs> I want to have enough money just to just to enable the amount of time that I can spend however I choose with uh, kids and travel. So I think that's really admirable. You know, it does it does shape the community a little bit when you think that people are trying to race to like the lowest expenses and they're trying to make them make the most amount of money. And there's a huge emphasis on, uh, you know, travel hacking and and getting the RSP and manipulating your tax bracket. But nobody said anything like that. It's all just I want to spend more time with my kids. <laughs> and I think that's great. Absolutely. I think that's what it's all about. Just, you know, enjoying life more and getting down to what's important and what's more important than being with your kids, especially when they're young. Yeah, awesome. So it really, it's an open floor. Uh, does anybody like Kayla, I'll turn it over to you. Did, was there like a particular conversation that you wanted to talk about? Uh, have you guys met up with other choose fires in your area? Like, have you sort of been able to build a community in person? We've started, and Tan, you can speak probably a little a little bit to this as well. So this is my first online meetup of any sorts. I've never actually like Skyped another person before, just randomly. But I've done four uh, in-person meetups, two in Toronto and two in Kitchener. And uh, I've got to meet some listeners of Explorify Canada, but we did it all through Chooseify. So it's kind of neat to see some people that are actually listening to my podcast and and who have read my blog and be able to comment on that. But yeah, no, I've only done a few. But Tan, you came to the last one. What yeah, I came to the that? last one. I re- recently joined the Chusify Canada group probably a week or two prior to coming to the last one and just getting a chance to meet different individuals. And Ryan and I connected. We, we chatted offline. I haven't been to any meetups yet in Vancouver. I've been meaning to, but it's been hard to to make it work on the weekends. But I do have a friend that I brought on board uh, the Choose FI journey, and she has a young son. So we get together, get to talk shop, uh, and it be normal in front of our family. So that's been fun. Wait, wait, wait. You talk about FI in front of your families, like people who don't listen to the podcast or anything like that? Well, my friend who I introduced to the idea really enjoyed it and loves that concept. And we, we both live in downtown Vancouver, you know, really small uh, 
housing situations. We live in tiny apartments <laughs> and, and we are happy doing that. And so it's fun to to be able to talk shop with her. And and she was saving up for a down payment, but the real estate market here is so crazy um, that I kind of rerouted her and said, actually, I'm in no rush to buy. I don't plan to buy. Um, and here's why. And I pointed her into to the Choose FI podcast. So now that she and her husband are on board with it and really interested in the topic, we get together and we get to talk about Choose FI. <laughs> Interesting. And so choose FI. I, we get to talk about FI, the FI mentality and, and why it benefits us. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you then, um, because if you're referring people to choose FI, the, the thing that I have a problem is, is that whenever I point people towards the podcast, and I gladly do so, in fact, I don't actually point people towards my own podcast yet, because I feel like we don't have enough content yet, but I point people to choose FI, and I'm like, listen to number one. But as soon as you start seeing things like Roth backdoor or HSA accounts, like just don't even listen to those podcasts. And I was wondering, did you have any issues referring your Canadian friend to an American podcast? Yeah, so I uh, referred them to the two that they recommend to listen to first, the Pillars of Phi, and what's the second one, the Why of Phi? And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I told her, if you're interested, start from the beginning. But I found the same. I've gone through maybe a quarter of the podcast, and I'm starting to skip around and choose ones that are more relevant to us, because I feel like I've always lived in a frugal way. I get it. We're, you know, making our investments, but a lot of things aren't applicable. So that's why I'm really happy to listen to the Explore FI Canada content and be a bit more active in the Facebook group because it's so focused on the tools that we actually have at hand in Canada, right? Yeah, we have to start talking about it. If I can be honest, like my only criticism of my own podcast is that we have touched a lot of the very technical side of it. We've shied away from it. And I'm hoping that these online meetups can maybe change some of that if people are willing to go into it. But um, Tan, have you found any frustration with listening to Choose a Fi? Like, have you had to skip over certain certain episodes or or just leave things completely off docket there? I've pretty much been listening sequentially from the beginning. However, when it comes to uh, items that don't apply to us, like the Roth IRA or the 429 or the, the, the 401k, I've put it on triple speed while listening. <laughs> That's how I get through a lot of these pretty quickly. I love the skip ahead function. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when I they start listen, talking about. I listen to Quit Like a Millionaire on audiobook. And, you know, they always like, when it gets to techno stuff, they always put the American stuff before the Canadian one. And I was just like, skip, 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 skip. Listen for a bit. Oh, no, still talking about American stuff. Skip, 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 skip. And I feel like it'd be skipping for five minutes. It would get to the Canadian stuff. And they'd only talk for like a minute because our accounts are so much simpler. And I'm like, Ah, it was a lot more work to skip the American stuff than it was to listen to the Canadians. I did the yeah. same. I listened to the audiobook uh, as well, Quit Like a Millionaire. And yeah, I felt the same thing. It's it's an easier system here. Uh, I think Millennial Revolutions brought so much to the table with their blog and how to mm-hmm. set up your accounts in the most strategic way. I just feel like they've they've done a lot for the Canadian content. Agreed. I've read through most of their blogs as well, and they're actually very technical in terms of how they do the calculations. So if you can understand the math, it makes sense. So Kayla, what about you? Do you still listen to the podcast? Do you still uh, like choose a fight? Do you still listen to it or only like halfway through it? Or what's your situation there? Yeah, I'm definitely not through all of them. Um, I've been listening to another Canadian podcast, uh, not about FI, but just about like the technical aspects of investing called Rational Reminder, Ben Felix, uh, and he's part of that podcast. And those guys aren't huge fans of the FIRE movement, but they definitely know their stuff when it comes to saving for retirement and, you know, all the possible 
aspects of mm-hmm. investing that you could want to know about as a Canadian is really informative. So as much as I can learn, I like to read books and listen to podcasts where I learn as much as possible. So that's what I've been binging lately. Yeah, it's kind of like infotainment, right? Like you want exactly. to listen to infotainment. With the Rational Reminder podcast, I've I've spoken about it before where I had a bit of trouble listening to it just because it's very dry. And I found that when I listened to Ben Felix's Common Sense Investing YouTube channel, it was much easier because he kind of had like some visuals. I don't know. It was just, it felt like it was very scripted and to the point. And the Rational Reminder, it seems like very drawn out and not to the point at times. And I've always had trouble listening to it. Has anyone else felt that or, or no? Am I just, I think I'm the only one. Well, I love to nerd out to all that stuff. So I think I'm a bit of an exception, but um, I, I, you know what? I, I prefer like when the two of them just get talking, not when they have guests. Um, cause they really get into the nitty gritty about, you know, the RSP or TFSA and home country bias and a whole bunch of subjects that I'm really interested in. So, but it, definitely I use the skip button when I need to. I'll add that to my, to listen to list. I haven't Agreed. I haven't listened to the podcast, but I have watched some YouTube videos from Ben Felix and I do like how he lays it out and with the visuals. It makes sense. I, I enjoy the videos. I mean, his content is so valuable and he, he biases Canada completely because he's he practices in Ottawa. But I think uh, on the main Choose the Five group in the U.S., they even link to his videos because he's that good. Even the Americans will listen to Canadian content. So, you know, it's good then. Yeah, for sure. They were saying that they have a lot of American listeners recently. They've been getting a lot of feedback from the U.S. So that's interesting. Seems to be all U.S. content um, unless you really kind of know where to look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the podcast, though, because we need all the Canadian content we can get. And even though he's not a fan of the fire movement, and I kind of want to pick your brain about that because I'm assuming you've you've heard his reasons for it. But it's not that we have to follow people that uh, absolutely 100 percent believe in the fire movement. I mean, I don't think Canadian couch potato has really shown a bias one way or the other. I think Million Dollar Journey is another blog that is kind of like he's more about like financial independence or the financial freedom. Like a lot of people shy away from the whole retire early part. And I do have my problems with that, but I won't get into that now. But it, we don't have to, we as the fire movement, we don't have to just only stick to the people who are uh, cheerleaders of the movement. We can really derive our sources and our information from anywhere, whether or not people like it or not. It, it doesn't matter to us, right? We just want to source the best content possible. You said that Ben Felix isn't really... Uh, pro fire movement. Do you remember why? Like, why isn't he about it? Yeah, you know what he said. I think his biggest um, misgiving about the fire movement is that the time horizon, right? So, generally, when you retire, it's about thirty years that you're looking at having to fund um, with a conventional retirement. And so, obviously, if you retire when you're thirty, you'll have more like sixty years. And that was his biggest. Um, issue that he took with the fire movement. So I, I think he's coming around. Issue. Of yeah, oh, for sure. Math, right? It was never going to yeah. be like, I don't like these guys because they're millennials. It was going to be yeah. like math. Well, I'm pretty sure he's a millennial too. And to be honest, I think he's coming around to it a bit. He mentioned in one podcast that he talked to a person that he knows personally, and he said that they were an intelligent person as far as he was concerned. So whatever that person said made him think that okay. their big thing too was that like, well, I like my job. So why do you want to quit? Just go get a different job kind of thing, right? So maybe not really understanding the essence of the FIRE movement, but just looking at the math for sure. Yeah, I think it's funny that so many people, well, so many people, I haven't spoken to tons of people about it, but that people take uh, or have a, a strong opinion about the FIRE movement. In the end, do you want to work 40 weeks minimum for you know the next 
until you're 65. I just don't see why anyone would have have an issue with it personally, because I think if we could all work part time or, you know, bring it down to zero if you want. But being flexible over that really long time horizon is all a part of the fire movement, right? You could go back and get a job at 45 if you needed to part time. But you had how many years in between with your family and you know, and I also like what JL Collins says about taking mini retirements throughout your life and working when you want to and not when when you don't because you have that FU money saved up. It just gives you options. No, I love it. It's absolutely the way we should look at it. It's it's funny that a lot of people from the outside will will just glance at it and they kind of they kind of do the whole like, well, yeah, you know, I do like my job and and I don't want to just retire and lie on a beach or blah, 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 blah. Uh, that narrative always really annoys me because, I mean, did you watch, the, like, did you recently just watch, like, a lottery commercial? Like, is that where you're getting this whole lie on the beach thing? Because I haven't seen many people who have pulled the trigger on fire and then immediately went to go lie on a beach. It's it's not that common of a thing. I mean, I feel like Millennial Revolution are the only really people who are worldwide travelers nonstop that are at least Canadian that focus on that kind of lifestyle. I feel like everybody else is more or less just more about the journey and happiness and and contentment rather than the the beach, the, the so-called beach. I agree. I dream about the beach, but I often think, ah, oh, we should have done that before we had kids, right? So what Millennial Revolution is doing, it's the perfect timeline to have done it. They worked hard. They get to take a few years off. If and when they do have kids, I'll be interested to see what they do. Will they do world schooling? You know, it's not as easy to do um, when you have kids. And I talked to my husband about that. You know, would you... Uh, if, you know, within 10 years, the kids would still be quite young, would we, he's from Spain and we used to live there, would we move to Spain? Would we move to the Canary Islands? You know, are you going to take the kids to a pretty small island off the coast of Africa? How's the economy? What's university going to look like? You know, there's lots of issues. So I think Millennial Revolution's killing it because they are young and at the perfect time in their life to be lying on a beach for as long as they want to. The other thing is, how much time can you actually stay on a beach? <laughs> six months to a year because <laughs> you'll get bored unless there's other things to do you're exactly right though because i think it was kevin o'leary who said he had a video about how the fire movement doesn't work and that after he sold his company to mattel or whoever it was that he basically pulled the fire trigger and you vacationed all the time and he said he got really bored and he wanted to go back to work so he doesn't recommend anybody build up a portfolio for financial independence because you're not going to be happy when you do it anyways and my main disagreement with his argument is that if you retired to the beach, you've done it wrong. When I retire, I'd love to go to the beach, but I'm going to go there sparingly or I'm going to go there when I want to. And then I'm going to leave the beach when I don't want to be there. It's not that I'm going to retire to the beach. I'm not just going to be like, this is my life now. And then plant my umbrella and be like, this part of the beach is now mine. It doesn't work like that. How did you start your podcast? Like, how did that come about with Chrissy and Money Mechanic? I had posted uh, my Canadian Fire blog and I had a few articles out. And in the very first one, I said that I was going to start a podcast. And I don't know if the Money Mechanic actually read that, but my timeline was always to get the blog looking somewhat decent in 2019 and then to start a podcast in 2020 and basically turn those blog articles that I had written into podcast episodes. And I, that was my trajectory for Canadian Fire. But that all changed when Money Mechanic had messaged me out of the blue. And he said, I want to start in a second podcast. I've already got Christy on board. Are you willing to jump on board? 
And I thought, well, that's a really interesting opportunity because I had messaged Chrissy after she came out on the uh, on the FI garage and she was talking. And I told her, I said, you should be my host on Canadian Fire. I want you, blah, blah, blah. And then she turned me down. She's like, nah, no, that's that's nice. But I don't think I'll ever start a podcast and I don't think I want anything to do with it. But uh, Money Mechanic was able to convince her to start a podcast, but they wanted a trio and they wanted someone from outside British Columbia. So basically he asked me and yeah, what you what you heard is typically our narrative. So we, we wanted to bring a roundtable discussion to Canada and and to get different people in. And, you know, we've been doing that for a bit, but I think it's time to get into more of the technical weeds. So I'm hoping that the uh, online meetups can hopefully provoke a bit of that that banter and a bit of that conversation, because not everybody wants to be interviewed about that kind of stuff. And not everybody is super comfortable just going online and, and making sure they have like their entire essay written out. I'd, I'd much rather just be a much more down to earth kind of conversation. So I'm hoping that the online meetups can provoke people's, you know, inner Ben Felix and to start laying down some math on all of us and to school us all in a little bit of numbers just in a more casual setting. I'm hoping that that happens. It surprises me that most people that podcast also have a blog. Either they start with a blog and then they moved or just evolved into a podcast. My plan was to get my Canadian Fire blog like looking good by the end of 2019. If anyone's ever been to my blog, you know it's incredibly ugly and it is horrible. I, I really hate it. The only thing I like on it are the words and everything else is like horrible and I definitely need a new website. But I wasn't ready to do a podcast, but I didn't want to turn down the opportunity because I wanted to work with Chrissy and I really enjoyed the FI Garage. So I definitely wanted to work with the Money Mechanics. So Fortify Canada is just kind of, I don't know, it's just like a random little test of a podcast to see if we could try and replicate a lot of what Chooseify has done for America and to see if we could do something similar for Canada. It obviously takes a lot of time and energy and grit and we're slowly getting through it, but um, we have no plans to stop and it's... It's the goal, but we hope that we can serve at least Canadians and especially people in the in the financial independence realm and, and to bring in people who are looking for personal finance, uh, you know, audio tracks. So they are looking at podcasts and they're Googling personal finance and hopefully that our podcast can show up and, and we can just convert people straight from personal finance to, to financial independence and, and bring people in that way. So you're doing a good job. I'm, oh, well, thank you. I am enjoying <laughs> the Canadian <laughs> Are you hoping that Tim Hortons is going to step in and uh, sponsor? Is that why there's that question at the end? <laughs> I'm so done with that question. It's so boring now. <laughs> I, want to, I want to change it, but it's also kind of like a, I don't know, it felt like a really it's, hilarious it's a Canadian, the Canadian-ness at the end. Yeah, I guess, I guess. I mean, I could also just ask people what their second cup, you know, drink is. Oh, you guys don't know that because it's only an Ontario chain, I think. But uh, no, no, they I have it in know. Alberta. Do they I have think they might have it in BC, yeah. too. Okay. 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 There you go. Awesome. Well, you know, I don't know, but I'm kind of done with that one. To me, it was very important to have like a cultural question, right? Because if we just stick to financial independence all the time and, and we stick to real estate and blah, 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 blah. And while there is like a lot of Canadian elements to it, you kind of want to bring in a bit of our culture and like it or not. And I'm sure a lot of people don't like Tim Hortons, but it is a part of the culture, right? It is ingrained in every Canadian. I don't know if there's a single Canadian that has never stepped inside of Tim Hortons, at the very least, just to use the washroom, right? So it's just fun. It's just a fun way to kind of connect people back to you are listening to something that is Canadian. And that was really important to me. I think the more Canadian content, the better, because there's definitely not enough of it. So you guys are doing a great job. Yes, I agree. And I would like to see more technical content. And if we can find more speakers, guest speakers, or people who have more experience on more of the technicalities of how to reach FI or 
just this movement, I think it will be nice. Well, thanks, guys. That's very nice. <laughs> but I don't want to control the narrative of this. I don't want to just talk about Explorify Canada. I want to talk about other things. So let's talk about something technical. Is there like a certain question that you guys had that you want to relay to the hive mind here? Something about RSPs or TFSAs? Or is everybody picture perfect on those? Because I know I'm not. Do we want to talk about like what we invest in or like how we invest? I mean, you can divulge as much information as you want, but I, <laughs> okay. I you know, what I'm basically saying is like, you know, like let, let's start with the TFSA, for example. So does everybody have like a strategy for their TFSA or is it just like, and don't just say like ETFs because that's such a lame answer. Like what ETF, what, what do you, what's so special about your, your TFSA that you want to do? Give me a little bit of a something to which ETF you picked or why you're picking it. And you don't have to say like the exact one or the exact dollar amount, but uh, something like a region or like an asset allocation fund, like something like that would be, I think, kind of neat if any, if anybody's willing to share. And if you're not, that's totally okay as well. But Kayla, let's start with you. Sure. So we just had a meetup in Edmonton over the weekend. And I find that the conversation tends to move towards, I mean, people like to talk about their robo-advisors or Questrade or what kind of how they allocate their assets. Personally, I have a nerdy Excel spreadsheet and I kind of map it all out myself and then control the rebalancing and asset allocations that way. So I like to control everything, um, which is why I don't have a robo advisor. But and I tend to have a more of a holistic approach. So like you asked about the TFSA in particular, and it's kind of just more a part of everything. So I do follow the millennial revolution ETFs. So exactly the ones that they suggest, those are the ones that I have, which includes, mm -hmm. you know, Canadian, US, an emerging market, and then an international developed markets and a bond holding. So I found that a lot of the people at our meetups tend to be a little bit younger than me. So they have no bonds at all, but I have a 90% stock and 10% bonds. So does okay, that answer your question? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to actually ask you a follow-up question to it. So you said that you like to pick your, like your, you follow the millennial revolution style. So they have their individual ETFs for their individual sectors that you all buy. If someone were to tell you that they just want to buy 100% VGrow or 100% VQT, would you talk them out of it? Like, is that something that you find just like really uncomfortable or, or do you think that it's just to each their own? No, not at all. Actually, recently I was helping my mom move all of her money out of her bank into Vanguard and she's going to be in the, one of the all-in-one funds. So I think they're great. Personally, I just like nerding out with my spreadsheet and running all the numbers and being in control of the nitty gritty details. Okay, I would step in and say I'm putting everything into VQT and then to offset the home bias, also buy, is it Shaw? That's how I say it in my head when I buy it. <laughs> XAW? <laughs> yeah, Zaw. Uh, I call it Zaw. Zaw? Okay, right. it's always Shaw in my head. <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> okay. say that out loud. So I did take a lot of money out of my TFSA to buy a rental property a couple years ago. So I also took a year and a half off with my second son. So now I'm just getting back into refilling up my TFSA. But yeah, everything's going into VQT. And then I've been reading a bit more about home bias. I agree with that as VQT is too heavily weighted in Canada. And so I offset that with Shaw. Zah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, why, why are you so against like a bit of a home bias? Because Vanguard did their research and they built VEQT to basically serve Canadians because they want that home bias. And I believe it's about, is it 30% in VCN or whatever that they have? So it's about 30% in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. 
And why are you so against that kind of home bias? Like, I, I honestly like don't read, think I think actually I watched some Ben Felix videos about it as well. But I was reading that, what is it, like, within the world, Canada only makes up, is it 4% of the world economy? 3%. Yet, 3%. Yet, uh, Canadians tend to be... I think the general problem, quote unquote, over the years is that Canadians are way too heavily uh, invested in Canada and don't take into consideration emerging markets and the American economy and and elsewhere in the world, Europe, Japan. Basically, the I, I did read a, a Vanguard statement about the EQT and it said because some, something like because Canadians want to be more heavily invested at home, I think just because we might want to be doesn't mean that that's necessarily the right way to look at it in terms of the whole world economy. Interesting then. So you're basically saying that it's a potential behavioral bias that you want to eliminate. You kind of want to go with a more mathematical approach to your investment rather than the Canadian behavior bias of it. Yeah, that's exactly how I read it, that it's it's behavioral. And that's why VEQT was uh, allocated that way. And I was reading a, a Reddit forum about that very thing and, and someone saying, well, you know, 30, is it 30% that they're weighted in Canada? That's only because that makes Canadians comfortable. But is that really, is that really the point of your investment? You should look at it, yeah, a bit more black and white and not so much with the companies that you're comfortable with. I'm not too concerned about it. I think I'd go all into VEQT at this point and not lose sleep over it. But after I read those articles, I thought, okay, let's bring it down a little bit. And can't remember exactly the number, but Christian Bryce uh, said in Quit Like a Millionaire that they're, are they at 20% Canadian? I believe so. Yeah, I think they're 20, so I thought, okay, 20 Canadian, yeah. 20 American, 20 everywhere. Yeah, bring it down to 20% from 30, 15, 20%, somewhere in that range. And, and I'm comfortable with that. Interesting. Tan, what, what's your take on all this? What do you want to what do you want to plug in for the TFSA here? For TFSA, I think I've, I took some money out for uh, real estate and I my, my big play is on dividend stocks. So I look for dividends that's fairly high yield and track it very closely. And hopefully it plays out. Interesting. So you're going for a dividend approach then, because I remember we keep mentioning Ben Felix. So I want to bring him up because he has an awesome YouTube video called The Relevance of Dividends. And he basically says that people who actively go after dividend paying stocks are simply stock picking and stock picking is folly. So what do you think about that? I think it's a double edged sword. You can make a lot or you can lose a lot. But if you're very careful and track it very closely, I think you can make a lot. So. That's brave. But are you I shooting the ETF that. dividends I, uh, or, nope. or individual, is it individual stocks. stocks? Individual stocks. Oh, all right. I think I feel like we have a debate coming up, Carla. <laughs> Carla <laughs> well, I first I first got into investing with my dad and he was always pushing REITs uh, because of the dividend paying. Um, and so when I bought a house a few years ago, I felt like I was over invested in real estate because I had REITs only and a couple more risky stocks, individual stocks, and felt like I didn't want to be dealing with that anymore. So then I sold the REITs and got into BEQT. In hindsight, I think I should have just kept the REITs and all the other money that I would have invested in the future, then put into the EQT. I don't think I necessarily made the right decision then, but you live and learn. If you are going to invest in REITs, then I, I think the TFSA is one of the best ones just because, and going back to the whole behavioral bias, but if you want your TFSA to, for example, just like chug out income and just kind of spit money at you, I mean, if you put everything into REITs or at least a portion of it, you're going to have a whack ton of, uh, of high return on your investment and just spitting it out. So 
I know some people might lean on just having the TFSA, just contributing to it over and over and over again and never touching the principal and letting all your dividends reinvest. And if you just let that go off and you never touch your TFSA, then it's kind of like, what's the point? Because at this point, your TFSA is so holy that you're never going to touch it. And then you're just going to die with this huge TFSA. So did you actually want it to bring money for you? And Carly, I want to ask you that specifically. Like, If you had it in REITs, would you ever consider just withdrawing what the REITs are paying out? Or did you always just want it to reinvest itself over and over again? The dividends, I always reinvested the dividends and didn't even look at it. Mm Because at this point, I think, yeah grow out of control. I'm ignoring you. Um, I don't look at it daily. I think that's another reason I went into the asset allocation. I don't want to look at my, I don't want to pay attention. I don't want to be fretting over this. I have some marijuana stocks (laughs) that I look at daily and it drives me crazy. (laughs) Although I did buy it a good time and I'm still okay. (laughs) But I'm I'm ready as as JL Collins says to get rid of those cats and dogs. I want to sell, but I'm not going to right now. So anyway, I don't want to do individual stocks. Um, I'm definitely more comfortable with REITs for that reason, because you're buying an individual REIT, but there's so much property, you know, in that portfolio. But yeah, individual stocks just stress me out. And I prefer asset allocation ETFs for that reason. Just buy it and forget about it. Talk some sense (laughs) into everybody, Kayla. (laughs) About not buying individual stocks. I have this (laughs) argument with my husband all the time. So let's hear it. (laughs) I just, it's just about checking individual stocks every day and up and down and He's always telling me about it. And I only check my stocks when I put more money in every two weeks and that's it. So I don't, uh, I don't do the dividend approach. Uh, I do follow Ben Felix in that regard, just about Mm -hmm. if you need the money, then you sell off some of the assets instead of focusing on dividends. But I'm also not retired yet. So it doesn't really make a difference. I'm only investing and putting all the dividends that I do earn back into the market now anyway. Okay, so I want to touch on the point that I brought up earlier because I was I, I want to get an actual answer from each of you because I think this is something really pertinent to retiring early in Canada. What I was saying before with the TFSA is that if you keep shoving so much money into it and then even following the millennial revolutional style, let's say you retire early, but you have that picture perfect TFSA and you don't touch it ever because it's the most valuable account. So you're going to be withdrawing from your RSP up to the exemption limit, which I think is about 12 grand right now. And then you can pump something into the TFSA and let your taxable accounts provide you with your expenses for the year or what have you. And I'm wondering, at what point are we supposed to touch our TFSA? Like if we have this amazing account, how do you plan on withdrawing from your TFSA? Should you just have like a portion of it be REITs or dividend paying stocks and just kind of let it pay you that way? Or how do we use our TFSAs? How do we do it? I think this is a good problem to have. (laughs) That's what I tell my friends (laughs) that don't invest and that don't save. (laughs) You need to fill that up. You want to have a problem like that at the end. How do you deal with it? I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much. I I would approach it in the same way as Millennial Revolution, taking from my RSP, putting it back into my TFSA for the annual limit. If you need the money, then you sell it, right? I don't know. You drain your RSP little by little over the years touch your taxable first. And then when you need the TFSA, you sell the amount you need and you live on it. No, I guess. But isn't that the assumption that you're going to die with zero dollars? Like, you know, when you're going to kick the bucket. So you're already draining your TFSA like years before that happens. Like, like but if it's a huge amount, it? you know, if it's a huge amount, you touch it as you need to. Um, I, you know, both of my parents are retired. Uh, I hope to be in a lot stronger position than they are. You know, I think it's a good problem to have. Uh, Whatever we don't spend goes to our kids. But I don't, my husband, he's from Spain. I don't know if this is a European approach, but he feels no need 
to have to, you know, have to give your kids stuff um, to pass on a home. You know, I thought, oh, well, we're not going to have a home that they're going to inherit. And he says, like, does that matter? Give them their education, give them in Spain, education is extremely affordable, so it's not like here. But, you know, give them what you can through their RESP, set them up. But in the end, you can drain your accounts. Go for it. Live off CPP at the end. But I don't think you're going to get there. I think what's the failure rate of firing early, you know, given the math? It's very rare. So those first five years are the most sensitive ones, right? Uh, as Millennial Revolution talks about and quit like a millionaire. And then after that, you're not going to drain those accounts. What's the chance? It's really slim. Tan, do you want to weigh in here? Yeah, I haven't actually thought of the drawdown strategy yet. At this point, it's just get it as big as possible when I need it. So I see my TFSA as a big emergency fund. If I need anything really urgent, I can go in and take it out. But otherwise, just let it grow. Let it grow tax-free. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. So while I'm accumulating, I don't have any emergency fund. I'm I'm leaning on a HELOC and my stable income. And I don't mean that to be uh, condescending. I, I know my income is very stable. So I'm using that as as my emergency plan, I guess, is the better way of putting it. Uh, shout out to the accountants of FI Garage for screaming that into the microphone. But yeah, so I have an emergency plan. And as I get closer and closer to drawdown and to the point where I think, OK, you know, if push comes to shove and there's a lot of volatility into the market, then maybe I should have a portion of my TFSA that is in bonds or cash so I can withdraw it that way if anything you know, happens in the market and we're at like a 30 or 40% decline. And rather than set myself up for the sequence of return risk that Carly was just speaking about, that maybe a portion of my TFSA should have my emergency plan built into it. So that could be, say, for example, if I have a TFSA of 100 grand at that time, then 80,000 of it is in stocks and 20,000 is in bonds or something like that. Like, would that make more sense? Kayla, what do you think? Yeah, I guess it depends a lot on your asset location. So mm-hmm. what kind of investments you have in your different accounts. Like I know Millennial Revolution, they have cash cushion, which I assume is just sitting in a checking account, but maybe I'm wrong. And I know that we likely, if we retire early, we'll get a cash payout from our pension plan. And that was just going to be my sort of ride out the three years of a bear market if I needed to. That's an interesting question because I don't think people, there's so much focus on the accumulation phase and not so much the decumulation after you've retired. And I think it's actually kind of a huge paradigm shift and it's it's hard to wrap your head around how your money is going to support you for the rest of your life. Like Ryan, you need a speaker or get someone on board on your podcast that has gone through the uh, the wind down phase. Decumulation. Yeah, I agree with the cash cushion, though. I think, yeah, we're in the accumulation phase. I'm not thinking too much about it, but I know there are strategies and I would revisit those leading up to the time. But also Vicki Robbins in um, Your Money, Your Life. Is that is that it? <laughs> um, she talks yeah, about a cash cushion. One. And I agree with that. Yes, I was you know, planning. OK, well, let's say the last six months of planned work. Well, all of that money is just going into I use EQ Bank, going in, getting a 2.3 percent annual return. And you're building up that as an emergency fund. I'm the same as you, Ryan. My emergency fund is my TFSA at this point. Um, And the paycheck that we each get, my husband and I both get paid twice a month. And it just so happens that the weeks alternate. So every week we have money coming in. To me, with the life that we lead, that's as much of an emergency fund that we need. I really want to kind of 
get that down to a science and, and to an actual plan. But everyone has different finances and everyone has, you know, much different nuance to their plan. So I was just, uh, I thought that was interesting. But Tan, I think you're right. I do think we need to find some sort of subject matter expert on the TFSA and figure out the best way to do it. I mean, we could always just email Millennial Revolution and, and see what they do. But I'm, uh, from what I've heard uh, in their book is that they really just, pull from the RSP and and pull from their taxable accounts. And the TFSA is just kind of this amazing account that just has boundless growth, <laughs> you know, especially for the time that they've been retired and the ETFs that they're holding inside of it, I'm sure. So the other thing I wanted to say about the TFSA is that, and I recently wrote about this on uh, Canadian Fire, you can never recover the foreign withholding taxes. I don't say that as like, uh, oh, well, there's no point in investing in American funds in your TFSA. I actually think it's one of the best places to do it simply because uh, if you look at past stock returns and, and you know, the 13% over the last five years, you can see that the American stock market has just been on a complete bull run. And you really want that type of bull run to be in no other place but your TFSA because you want it to be in the place that's absolutely tax free. So if you end up having to pay a bit of a foreign withholding tax, who cares? Go for the highest return, right? Yep, I agree. Um, when I read that about looking at the most tax efficient choice, I kind of question, is the EQT doing that because it's an asset allocation account and you hold a bit of everything in the fund? Should I be holding that in my TFSA? But as you say, at the end of the day, it's a small portion um, that they keep and you don't get back. And what are you going to do? Not invest in the American market? I still think it's, it's absolutely worth it. I think some people just have like a lot of envy because we do all come from a choose a five background and we get to hear that they have like a 0.03 or 04, you know, mutual fund VTSAX to invest in. And we just don't have that. That's just not on the Canadian table. It's not in our deck of cards. We just have to accept the fact that if we want to participate in the American market, we have to pay a little bit extra comes to our TFSA. That's life. So whether or not you pick VQT or VUN or what have you, to me, it doesn't really matter all that much. You just have to kind of bite the bullet and choose your allocation, make sure you do a risk tolerance test and just go for it. Yeah, I totally agree. In the end, the American stock market has done far better than the TSX over the last few years, far, far better. So yeah, you made far more investing in that market than you did in the Canadian one, assumingly that you invested more in that market than the Canadian one. So it's worth it for sure. Well, I think this meetup went very, very well. We got to talk about so many interesting topics within the massive realm of the fire movement. And I'd like to thank each of you for coming online and sharing your thoughts and experiences with each other and everybody listening today. Before I let each of you go, though, I'd like to take a moment and just ask each of you to plug your favorite source of FI information that you think everybody knew to the financial independence game should know about. Carly, let's start with you. What resource do you want to share? Someone mentioned in the Choose FI Canada group, they asked a question about if they were to buy one financial book, which what would it be? And I put uh, Quit Like a Millionaire or honestly, I think I prefer The Simple Path to Wealth just for the simplicity of it. However, if you're completely new to investing and to you know, what to do and what steps to take, I appreciate that it is all American content. And so usually after someone reads that, they go onto the Choose FI Canada group and ask what is the equivalent of VTSAX. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I really enjoy that book for its simplicity. And then for more Canadian content, Millennial Revolution for sure. And Quit Like Millionaire. I bought it for my 18-year-old cousin who's about to graduate this year and hopefully set her on the right track. 
Very nice. Tan, are you ready? Yeah, I, I actually like Financial Samurai. I recently came across their podcast and have been going through it. It's very technical, but they provide a lot of insight into the U.S. market as a interpretation of what the world market will do. So I, I found that quite interesting. And then I'll start reading their, their blogs as well soon. Um, as for Canadian content, uh, a DFI garage with the money mechanic is actually pretty interesting. I like their format and they have some interesting podcasts as well. Kayla, what about you? Is there a certain uh, piece of content you think uh, the viewers should know about? Yeah, actually, my one of my favorite finance books is called Millionaire Teacher. So it's also Canadian, written by a fellow named Andrew Halam, who was a teacher, obviously. And he still has a blog that he writes for, not terribly frequently, but often enough. Um, actually, recently he had one about the drawdown phase, and it's an excellent article just about how people always talk about flexibility and if there's a market downturn and how you have to adjust your withdrawals. And he actually really quantified it with a lot of really helpful math and percentages and whatnot. Okay, that does it for this episode. Thanks to Tan, Carly, and Kayla for participating. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We'll be back with another online meetup in two weeks. And until then, feel free to chat about this one on explorifycanada.ca or Chooseify Canada Facebook group. I promise to respond to all the feedback. If you want your voice heard on the next online meetup, feel free to contact me, Ryan Merix, on either Explorify Canada or Facebook. It's actually quite easy to participate. You only need a headset, such as the one that came with your iPhone, and a quiet room for at least an hour. See you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefi.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.